0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. The chocolates there in the seat are a little gift for you guys. How many already ate your chocolate? Ruth has like 16 chocolates all around her in her seat over there. Uh, Are you guys surviving the cold weather? I think today actually has to be, since I've been here 16 years, the coldest Sunday we've ever had. It has to be. (laughs) I was like, no, it was cold out there this morning. I'm glad it's not as windy as it was yesterday, and uh, I'm glad you guys made it out this morning. I know it's chilly, and, uh, but we're from Rochester. We're tough. This is nothing, right? Right now up in the Adirondacks, it's minus 26 degrees, So, and they had 50, uh, minus 50-degree windshields yesterday, so um, this, is, this is balmy. Of course, tomorrow I'll be in 90-degree weather, but we won't talk about that. Anyways... Um, I'm glad you guys are here, and we're we're studying through, uh, doing a study through the book of Mark, and we're we're looking at just encounters that Jesus had with people and how uh, those encounters changed people's lives. and And I was thinking about that. We're, we're going to be jumping into chapter two this morning, but I, 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 as I was writing this message and, and just studying for it, it, it I, I just one of the things that just really perplexes me is the is how the misconception that we have, especially in America, that success and fame will automatically bring happiness. And I was thinking about that last month when um, the lottery went to over a billion dollars. And it was, just, it was just pandemonium. Everybody was talking about it. It was like, what, what would you do with a um, billion dollars? And, and I would tell anybody that, man, if you buy a lottery ticket in New York, you know you're only going to get $10 out of that so don 't even waste your money on it because by the time they take all the taxes and everything else living in new york you don't you don 't get much of that, even if yeah, I think you have to get eight billion dollars just to get back a thousand dollars but anyways um you know i 've seen it's just a frenzy and of this idea that that money or success is going to bring automatic happiness and I, and I I read this these articles about the truth behind actual lottery um winners and um uh For most, this is what they said. They actually said their lives have gotten worse. And and for most, they would have spent... This is the majority of people that have won the lottery. They would have spent most of their winnings in the first five years. In the first five years. Stories of broken marriages, of those who won millions now living from paycheck to paycheck having to deal with family handouts. For some, the pressure was so much that, in fact, some, it even led to, to, to suicide. I actually read of one couple who won the lottery. They moved to a very upscale neighborhood in their city, and they threw a big 4th of July celebration and invited all their neighbors to come. Not one neighbor came because they felt like they didn't earn their wealth. So it just goes to show you that not all the time, whether it's money or fame, uh, I think we can buy the lie that it will make everything okay. And, and, and we know that that it doesn't. So what's the problem? Um, I think the problem is we're looking for a quick fix or we settle for substitutes to fill, to fill the deeper need that's in all of our hearts. It's like a, a person that's chasing fame and future. And when it finally comes, they realize that it wasn't really all that it was cracked up to be. And so what I want to look at today... In the book of Mark, as we jump into chapter two, it's an interesting story of Jesus going to someone's house and 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 there is a man that was brought to Jesus who is a paralytic and he wanted Jesus to heal him. But what Jesus does in the story is not what you think he would do. And I want to really dig deep into this story because what, what, what we're going to see in this story this morning is that is that Jesus goes to a deeper place in this man's life than just his healing. And, and I, for, for all of us sitting here this morning, I want you to realize that, that Jesus wants to go deeper in your life. And I think many times we settle for cheap substitutes. We think that this thing or money or a better job or all these things are, are going to fix something that's deep in our soul and it's going to make us happier. And then when we get there, we're not as as happy as we thought we were going to be. And, and I believe that only Christ can heal or, or go to the deepest places in our hearts and lives to satisfy our deepest needs. And that's what we're going to see in the story today. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at the first uh, 12 verses. Or you can look at the screens there. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to look at, at Jesus healing this paralytic, but we're going to Look at something that Jesus does that's a little bit deeper. so let's jump into this, starting with verse one. It says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there and, and, and there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Someone came bringing him a paralytic and carried by four of them, four of his friends, since they could not get to Jesus Because of the crowds, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus after digging through the roof. They went through the roof. They opened a hole in the roof to let this man through. And they lowered the mat, and the paralyzed man was laying on it. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and take your mat and walk but that you may know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Lord, I just pray this morning that that God, our, our hearts would be open to your word. Thank you for for all you've done for us and for your love and for your grace this morning. I just pray, God, that for us here today that are searching, that maybe are unsatisfied by life or maybe are just grappling with their own heart in their life, Jesus, I pray you would go deeper. I believe you can go to the deepest places in our life like nothing else can. And I just pray that you would reveal this to us through the word of God. We believe that it's your word, it's living, it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and we give it full authority in our hearts and lives. So just speak to us this morning. We just thank you for this time. This is a sacred time where we can hear from you and hear from your word. And just may our concentration or focus be on what Jesus needs to say to us this morning. And we ask all these things in his precious name. And all God's children said, amen. Can I just get one more amen? Amen. That's good. I like that. You guys got to preach with me this morning. I need your help this morning. You guys got to warm up your bones. Um. So what's the background of, of this story? Well, here's what's going on. Jesus begins to teach. And word about Jesus is, is quickly spreading like wildfire. And the crowds were amazed. And he taught with such authority. And he was healing the sick. And no one had ever seen anything like this. And what's interesting about this is, is how did Jesus handle this? Because Jesus' popularity is growing. And these crowds are are following him. But what's interesting is is how Jesus actually handles this new Found fame. If you go back to chapter one, um, I love how Jesus handles this fame. If you go to chapter one, verse thirty-five, it says this: Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, "Everyone is looking for you, Jesus! Everyone, big crowds are following him." And Jesus replied, "Let's." Let us go somewhere else. He, it's interesting that Jesus didn't go to the crowds. He goes, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. And it's interesting about the person of Jesus that we see his popularity growing and Simon finds him praying and Jesus wakes up early to go to a solitary place to get alone with his father And so Simon says, listen, Jesus, all these crowds, they're following you. They're waiting for you. And you would think that anyone else in their right mind would actually go to the crowds to soak up the attention and the popularity. But not Jesus. What does he do? He goes on to the next town. And he wasn't interested in the popularity or being famous. You see, here's what I want you to understand about what what Jesus was doing. His purpose was. See, it wasn't about the size of the crowd, It was about the depth of the message. Jesus wanted to make sure that this message was coming across. It wasn't about his popularity or his fame. It was about the message that he cared about. Let me just give you a warning as your pastor. I don't care how charismatic someone may seem. I want you to listen to what they're saying. Because many times I think we can get caught up and all the glitz and all the glamour that surrounds certain people and maybe even certain pastors or maybe even certain celebrity pastors. And we get all caught up and listen. We think this is great. But for you as your pastor, I just want to just implore you to listen to what they're saying, because when, when you boil it all down, it's what is in the message? What is actually being proclaimed? And it, it, is it the gospel message that Jesus saves? that has come to save us from our sins. Listen to what they're saying. Are they preaching out of the word of God? And so those are things that you need to listen to. And that's what Jesus concerned. It really wasn't, am I tickling people's ears so that I can keep these big crowds? Or is it that I'm giving them the message that they need to hear so that their lives can be changed? And this is the point of this whole story, that Jesus is going to bring something to this man that he needs to hear hear. Jesus came to bring us a message that we need to hear. And sometimes when we hear that message and we hear the truth of the message it's going to hurt. It's going to sting a little bit. Because how many know it's the truth that sets us free? And in order for us to be set free from our lives and our indulgences and our selfishness and our sin, we need to hear the truth of why Jesus came. And so this is the purpose of Jesus and his message. That it wasn't about the crowds. It was about his message it wasn't about the size it was about the message yet the crowds kept coming and so what happens is a couple days later we read in the passage here in Mark chapter 2 that Jesus is in Capernaum at a house and it's packed and there's no room and people are outside and they're listening to Jesus preach the word of God says and all of a sudden here comes someone through the roof now if you can't get through the door you we always use the roof right so if you can't get through the door, use the roof. And, the, and they, you know, his friends have their sawzalls and their drills and they're digging through the roof to get their friend to Jesus. Now, a typical roof in that area would be flat and would be made of a thick layer of clay supported by mats of branches across wood beams. So this would take a little work to get through. And, and what I like about this is the effort of his friends to get their friend to jesus it it, you know crowds aren't going to stop them people all around the house wasn't going to stop them they say somebody had the bright idea of saying hey let's put our friend through the roof and so here they are digging through the uh, roof and i would say that his friends had a lot of faith and they were persistent and and it must have been a scene I, i can't imagine the homeowner when he's looking at this and saying hey guys i do have a front door you don't have to come through the roof. I do have a front door. So they're allowing him to come through the roof. And, um, and maybe the men stayed after to help clean up. Or maybe they said, hey, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll fix up this mess after. And what's interesting about this encounter, though, is what Jesus does next. The man is let down through the roof on a mat. And it's obvious that he is paralyzed. And then Jesus says to him, the first thing he says to him is this man is let through the roof on this mat who is paralyzed, who is a paralytic, Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Now, I can just imagine what the paralytic is thinking. He's saying, Jesus, that's nice and all, but I can't walk. That's not why I've come here. I've come here so that I could walk. That's nice that my sins are forgiven, but I can't walk. That's why we've made all this to do and fuss and to to come through the roof is so that I can walk. But here's what I want you to see in the story. Jesus does something far greater for this man. Far greater than maybe he even realizes at this time. Jesus does care about his condition and, and, and he knows the suffering. But Jesus is going to do something far greater for this man. See, here's what I want you to understand this morning. Here's the mistake that we can make in our thinking. Many of us can think this way. We think that our biggest problem many times is other people or what other people have done to me. But the real issue and the problem and the real problem is not them necessarily. The real problem is how we deal with it and how we react to it. See, here's the reasoning. You can't do much about others, but you can do something about yourself. And the way you react to it, see, we think that our lives would be so much better if this other person would get it together, or if my situation were better, or if it was warmer outside, right, everything would be better if it was warmer outside just i 'll take twenty degrees warmer, right We just think, well, if, if my situation changes or or this person um, changes or if 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 they would just, my life would just be so much better. But see what Jesus is doing here, he's causing the man to go deeper than just his physical healing to actually something spiritual. And I think the reason why we are discontented in our life and why many times we are frustrated in our life is we don't allow God to go deeper into our lives. We would rather just blame someone else, or we'd rather just kick the can further down the street or pass the ball further down the street and just give it to somebody else or blame somebody else without allowing God to do something deeper in our heart. Maybe, just maybe, God is using that situation or other people that irritate you, right, that bother you, to do something deeper In your heart. Just saying it. Just maybe, right? And we would rather complain, right? And gripe about it and look at this and look at America and look where it's going. Oh, blah, 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 right? We'd rather just blame everybody else, right? And God's saying, listen, I want to do something in your heart. I want to do something deeper in your life. And that's why Jesus looks at this man who needs healing, a physical healing. But he looks at him, and the first thing he says to him, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is going to cause a great controversy with many people that are listening because many of the religious that are listening are saying, wait a minute, the only person that can forgive sins is God himself. This, this man, this man, Jesus, is blaspheming against God himself. And so Jesus makes a huge claim here at this house. And so what Jesus is doing is causing this man to go much deeper. Than just the physical physically, but to something spiritual. And so, for the person that's chasing success or fame or money, if I had this, then I would be happy. Jesus knows that these things can never bring true happiness without a heart change. Because all, we, all, all we'll be doing is just chasing the wind, chasing something that will never satisfy us. Some 700 years before Jesus came and walked on the face of the earth. The prophet Hosea prophesied and spoke to Israel because this was Israel's issue. They were chasing after things but God. They were mixing idol worship with God and they were chasing these things that would never truly satisfy them. And God raises up prophets to speak to their hearts and say, listen, stop chasing things that, me- that are meaningless, that are not going to satisfy you like the Lord your God will satisfy you. And Hosea 8, 7 says this. And, and I think this speaks... To our culture today. And this is what Isaiah says. Some 700 years. Before the birth of Christ. Here's what Hosea says the prophet. He says they have. Hosea 8.7. He says they have planted the wind. And will harvest the whirlwind. The stalks of grain wither. And produce nothing to eat. And even if there is any grain. Foreigners will eat it. See Israel. Was putting their trust. In all. The wrong things and it produced nothing for them. The results were meaningless. You see, our discontentment is very hard to satisfy. Our discontentment is very hard to satisfy. You see, Jesus wants to heal this man. And Jesus does. But Jesus also wants to go deeper than just this physical healing. Listen to me closely here. If the man rests all his happiness on his healing alone, eventually he will become discontented again. And let me just say something. We are a fickle people. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. If you can do this, there's something amazing about you. Okay, if you can do this. But I know when I open up a bag of potato chips, okay? Now, my favorite, I have two favorite potato chips, okay? <clears throat> one are Lay's. I just love Lay's, all right? And how many know you just can't eat one, right? Because once you eat one, especially if you eat, like if I took one of those chocolates and ate one, and then I opened up a bag of Lay's and just smell it, right? Do you ever do that? Just open your... It's like a bouquet of freshness coming out of that bag of, of Lay's, right? And, and you go to the top and they're, you know they're not crumpled up they're not you know because by the time you get to the end of the bag and there's like a quarter of the bag i just throw it out because it's no good at that because they're all crumpled up you got to get the big potato chips right and you take a bite of that there is no way you're going to eat one because it just doesn't satisfy so my favorite potato chip brands are lays and utz you got if you've never tried utz potato chips they're made in pennsylvania the best utz can i get an amen ruth thank you amen utz potato chips they're just amazing you have to get, they sell them in Wegmans now. They used to, didn't sell them. And my brother and sister and I used to live in Pennsylvania and they used to bring them up for me all the time as contraband because I needed them. I needed Utz potato chips. So there were my Utz potato chip junkie dealers for a long time until they, I complained to Danny Wegmans and he started selling them in the stores. So that was really great. Um, so here's the thing. It, our, our, our discontentment is very hard to satisfy. And so if the man rests all his happiness... On the ceiling. And this is what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that, listen, it's got to be more than just the healing. Jesus wanted to go deeper. So Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter, and that is our heart. He goes right to the heart of the matter. So Jesus wants this man's identity not to be in the healing alone, but to be in Christ. See, the problem is we attach our identity to success or these things or money, and we think those things are going to bring us happiness, and Jesus knows that those things are never fulfilling. Jesus wanted this man's identity to not be just in the healing, but to be in him. That Jesus is the one behind the healing. We have to have Christ in order to fulfill everything in our lives. Otherwise, the things that we do in our lives will lack satisfaction. When we get to the point that Jesus is everything, then the things that we do become more fulfilling because they aren't the means to our end. So whatever, listen, this is so good. You thirty people that made it through the cold weather. Listen, this is so good because if Jesus is everything to us, then life becomes so much more fulfilling because those things don't have to be the end all to my identity. So if I lose my job or I change job or these things happen, I'm like, you know what? Jesus has something different for me. He has something better for me. I'm not worried about it because my identity is not in that. My identity is in Christ. Jesus wanted this man's identity to be in him. See, we can even have this misconception even about church. We can say, well, I'll go to church now to fix something in my life. I'll do something religious. Things aren't going on in my life, so I'm going to go to church to try to fix them. Now, we all know going to church is a good thing if it's the right motivation and the right reasons why we go to come with the family of God, to worship God, to celebrate the ordinance of God. Those are all good reasons to go to church. But if I'm going to church, and church is the only reason why I'm going to try to fix something, in my life. And I'm not going to ultimately please Christ. I think this religious action is going to help me in my life. We've got it all wrong. Or when we're going through difficulties in our life, it it becomes the only time that I pray. And what we can end up doing is we can actually use church or use prayer, but never get to Jesus. We can use those as a substitute to say, once I go and I do these things, and then my life gets back to normal, then forget church and forget prayer. But we never get to the deeper thing or the thing that's behind church, the thing that's behind prayer, and that's Jesus. We've got to go deeper. And so what Jesus does is he says he wants us to, he wants to get us over the, these, these cheap substitutes that can never truly fulfill us. And so what happens is if we would use these cheap substitutes, Once we get over our issue or our problem, we go right back to pursuing our own needs and our own wishes. Jesus didn't want this to happen in this situation. See, Jesus' grace desire is that we deal with the deepest issue in our life. And so Jesus, what's the bigger miracle here? Is the bigger miracle the healing or his sins being forgiven? And Jesus asked this question to the religious who are thinking, how can uh, he forgives sin. Only God can do that. And, and so what Jesus is doing is is healing this man of actually the bigger need. The bigger need was that his sins are forgiven. That was the bigger need. Yes, the healing was important, but the bigger need is to go deeper to his heart and to his life and that his sins are forgiven. So when Jesus says that, this creates a huge firestorm. When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, what Jesus actually is doing is saying, you have actually sinned against me because I'm God. Ultimately, our sin is against God. And so by Jesus forgiving the man, Jesus was actually claiming to be God himself. I'm not just some miracle worker. I'm not just some another person, another man that God may work through. I'm actually God himself by forgiving your sin, by going to the deeper need. And so Jesus was not only healing people, but he was claiming to be God. And so what did Jesus tell these religious people? He goes, I'm more than a miracle worker. I'm actually the Lord of the universe. And so Jesus knew by saying this word, this would uh, be the irreversible step towards his death. And by forgiving this man, The sins that that Jesus forgave would ultimately cost Jesus and he would ultimately pay for this man's sin upon the cross and give his life for him. And so Jesus knows the biggest need was to be forgiven. So here's my question for us this morning. My question is, are we going deep enough or have we settled for a cheap substitute? Are you chasing something And not really feeling satisfied. And I really believe this is an identity issue for a lot of people that are following Jesus. The identity issue is we're trying to attach ourselves to things in this world to satisfy us. And what happens is it becomes this endless pursuit. And once we reach it, we've got to go to something else to fulfill that need again. It's this empty pit that can never be fulfilled. And Jesus says, I want to be everything to you. I I want you to come to me. And then I want you, once you come to Christ and you give everything to Jesus and you say, Jesus, you're my identity now. And no matter what happens in this world or in this life, I know that I'm forgiven, that you forgive me of our sins, that you pay the price for my life upon that cross 2000 years ago. That's my identity. So no matter whether people forsake me or leave me, it doesn't matter. You told me that was going to happen, but I know that I'm in you, that you will never leave me or forsake me. That nothing can separate me from your love, which is in Christ Jesus. And so my identity now becomes Jesus. And now when my identity becomes Jesus and my satisfaction is in him, life becomes a whole lot better. I look at life a whole different way now. The things that I thought used to satisfy me don't really satisfy me that much anymore. And, so, and then life becomes more enjoyable because now you put those things in the right perspective And now you can enjoy them in the right way because they don't become idols in your life. Because God wants us to enjoy our lives, doesn't he? He wants us to enjoy the good things in life. But he doesn't want those good things to become ultimate things. That's what an idol is. It's when you take a good thing and you make it an ultimate thing. And so for Jesus, he didn't want the healing just to be the ultimate thing and then go back in his life and say, oh, yeah, there's some guy, yeah, Oh, four or five years ago that came, my friends let me through the house. And yeah, I, I even forgot what the guy's name was. Jesus didn't want that to happen. He wanted to go much deeper. There's a, um, there's a great story um, in one of the Narnia books. If you've ever read any of C.S. Lewis's um, The Chronicles of Narnia, there's a, there's a seven-book books book series in The Chronicles of Narnia. My son Colby loved, loved those books. And um, there's one book in that series called *The Dawn Treader*, and there's a great example in *The Dawn Treader* um, about God going deeper into someone's um, heart. And I, I love C.S. Lewis and his writings. It just, just he was an incredible writer. And let me just give you this example today as I just close in, in C.S. Lewis's book *The Voyage of the Dawn Treader*. Um, there, there's a great example of of God needing to go deeper into our lives. And there's a story of this boy named Eustace and, and he's a real pill and nobody likes him. And he doesn't like anybody. He's just a real pill and nobody likes this boy. And what happens is he finds himself on the boat of the dawn treader, taking a voyage of a lifetime. And the boat stops on an Island and Eustace wanders off and finds himself in a cave full of all these riches. And he thinks, this is it. This is, is the billion dollar lottery. I hit it. This is it. And so all of a sudden he becomes very happy and, and and he thinks that because he can become rich, that everybody is gonna like him. That he will pay everyone back, and he thinks that this is the answer to all his problems. So he's happy. And so what he does is he falls asleep in the middle of all these riches. But he doesn't realize that in this cave is an ugly, horrible dragon. And when Eustace wakes up, he now becomes that ugly, horrible dragon. And he's doomed because he can't get back on the boat and he's going to get left. He's too big. He can't go back. So he's doomed. And so then he falls into this sense of hopelessness. Now, later, Aslan, the lion, shows up, and if you've read any of the Chronicles of Narnia, he's, he's a type of Christ in the Narnia series. And so Aslan, the lion, leads him to a pool of water, and he tells him to undress and jump in if he wants to get rid of this ugly dragon outer skin. So Eustace understands this to mean to take off the dragon skin. And so what Eustace does is he, he, he bites, he pulls, and he realizes he can take off the skin to only find out that under this layer of skin is another dragon skin. And he tries again and again only to realize the same result. And finally, Aslan says, you're going to have to let me go deeper. You can't do it On your own. And recounting the story later, this is what Eustace tells everybody that happened. He says this I was afraid of his claws, speaking of Athlon, and I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. The very first taste he made was so deep that I thought it was going to go right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything. I've ever felt. And when he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I had done it to myself the other three times, only then hadn't it hurt. And there it was lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. Then he caught hold of me and threw me into the water. It smarted like Anything, but only for a moment. And then I saw, I turned into a boy again. See, here's the thing. Like Eustace, or the paralyzed man, or the person looking for success for the answers, we think that these things are going to be our savior. And like Aslan, Jesus needs to claw deeper into our hearts. Our deepest desire is not the main problem. Wanting to be healed or wanting to succeed or for Eustace to be accepted. These things can never really heal us or save us or make us truly happy. You see, we need a savior to do that for us. See, Eustace needed a savior to change him and to go deeper. And at the end of the day, Jesus needs to be our Savior. And I don't know where some of you are here today. Maybe you're here today and you're kind of walking on the fence with really um, jumping in to allow Jesus to be your Savior. Maybe, maybe for you, the relationship with God is more of a just a church thing and it, it fits you really well, but, um, but you really haven't allowed Jesus to truly come into your life and to truly change you. Maybe for some of you here today... Um, you're frustrated today because of what life has dealt you. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking your, your past is holding you back. Some of the regrets that you have, some of the guilt, some of the bad choices that you've made and you're holding it back. Maybe you're holding it over someone's head. Maybe there's a, a lot of bitterness and anger towards someone else in your life that's, that's a chain that's keeping Christ from going deeper in your life. Listen, Jesus has got to have everything. Everything. He's got to have everything. And it's not this part-time relationship that he desires with us. He wants a full-time relationship that he says, listen, you've got to dive in with me. You've got to take a step of faith and and let me do the healing and actually give this over to me and trust me with your life. You, You can trust him. And the thing that I like about Eustace is that he trusts Aslan to go deeper into his life. He trusted him. And until you trust Christ with your very life, let me just say this, your life is going to be dissatisfied. And I think for some people, they're like, well, pastor, I've tried church, I pray. Why aren't these things working? Because you're using those things to be a quick fix in your life. And those things if you just do them within themselves, are not going to fix the deeper problem in your heart. Only Jesus can do that. And so allow Jesus to go deeper. And what I want to do today is we just, is we just close in song. I just want to make this just a, a time where we just get along with Jesus. I, I love the words of the song at the cross. And um, th- there's, a, there's a phrase within this song that we're going to sing. It says there's a place where sin and shame are powerless. And, and, the, and the song just sings about at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, everything changes. My sin, my shame, my guilt, all those things are washed away. They become powerless. They no longer have a grip over our life because of what Christ has done for us so so I want to pray and what I want to do today just it's it's still early um, it's cold outside it's warm in here um, what I want to do is we sing that I'm going to just open up the altars today if you just need to come and just pray and just seek the face of the Lord and just just whatever that thing that you need to lay down if you need to allow Christ to go deeper then, then don't 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 allow this time to to bypass you today whatever the lord's dealing with you just you know just come and just worship and just give that thing to the lord just spend time with the lord we're family here today and that and that we we worship and we pray together and, and we're here for each other so that we can see god do all that he can do within our hearts and lives and that's the purpose of today and so i want us to stand today and i want to pray for you and 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 let's just sing this unto the lord and if you feel so led today and you just want to come and pray, um, I'm going to invite you to come forward today and lay whatever thing you need to lay at the f- foot of the cross today and allow Christ to go deeper in your hearts and life. Let's just pray today. Lord Jesus, we just come before you now. And Jesus, we just pray that you would go deeper into our lives. And Lord, I know so many times that, that, that God, we, we want to keep you at afar because maybe we're just afraid. Maybe we're just intimidated but God I I pray that we would just let down our guard that we would let down those things that are stopping us from you going deeper in our heart and we would just allow you to do that today and so whatever that thing might be God that's holding us back from allowing you to go deeper into our hearts whether it's bitterness or dissatisfaction or other people, whatever that thing may be, God, we just want to lay that aside and allow you to go deeper in our hearts as we just worship you and as we just contemplate on what the cross means and what you actually did for us. Lord, we thank you for the healing of this man, but more than that, we thank you that, God, you forgive sins, that you go so much deeper. And God, I pray that we would just go deeper with you. We just love you and I thank you for your people, God. And we just need you today. So Lord, just move in our midst, I pray, right now. Move in our hearts and our lives right now. Make this a sacred moment between us and you. Speak to our hearts. We're just inviting you to come into this place and just to minister to us and to reveal in our hearts what need to be revealed. So we're just inviting you to do that right now. In this moment, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, amen.